Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Okay, welcome. Welcome to People with Purpose. Uh, I'm joined today, uh, and I'm very happy to be joined today, uh, by a business expert and property specialist, Andrew Batt, who has a passion for setting up companies uh, that serve other people. So this is right up our street, Andrew. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, good. And so where exactly are you? So um, uh, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, I'm currently sat in a very small room, which is actually my site office, uh, because a week before this uh, recording, I got asked on a Sunday night, could you just? And I said, yeah, I'm still listening, uh, which was followed by, could you just get an electrician and a gas man to a site that's 105 miles away from where you live? And do you want to be a part of the project management team? So uh, it was via a, uh, another property friend of mine, a guy called Richard Stone, uh, who I'm sure you're, you're aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so Richard said to me that you've got a lot of skill sets that I know will be great for this particular job. Uh, and I said, so let me get this straight. You want me on a Sunday night in three days to have an electrician and a gas man on site doing work 105 miles away? And he said, yes, please. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? I said, it does sound impossible. He said, are you up for it? I said, absolutely, I'm up for it. And you know I am. That's why you're phoning me on a Sunday night. <laughs> so uh, that's that's why I'm now sat, <laughs> lent up against the sofa in what will be our site office right. uh, for a 40-flat refurb. Wow, okay. Um, so it's quite a quite a chunky chunky development. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been asked to help out with that, and that's one of the beauties of of how I structure my businesses is that they don't require me all day every day to be in every single business. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my businesses I have other business partners. So between us all, you know, when I'm I'm off doing one thing, most of my other business partners uh, have day jobs mm-hmm. as well. So I can cover a lot of the stuff during the days and then they do more stuff in the evening. So we kind of complement each other in that way. So okay, yeah. cool. So that's what I'm currently up to right, right so, now. Okay, okay, right now, live from just in front of a sofa uh, somewhere yeah. somewhere in England. Fantastic. And um, so well, what what are your businesses involved in then? How, how many are you involved in and, and, and what kind of areas are you in? So I, I basically describe my life as PI. So it's it's an, an acronym. So P is for property. Mm-hmm. I is for investments that aren't property. So alternative investments. And E is for entrepreneurship. So um, I started property investing with my younger brother and my mum in 1999. Um, I was a complete maverick investor, I think is the best way to describe it, because I was young, stupid, uh, every decision i actually made investment decisions by flicking a 50p coin and heads or tails that's how i made my decisions some i did really well at some tanked uh obviously as i've got older and a bit wiser um i no longer use the 50p method 
Um, Have you upgraded to a quid? Yeah, that's how my kind of property investing journey started out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've upped it to a quid now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might even get to two quid soon. Um, so yeah, so I kind of kind of did stuff with family there. My my first actual investment property was abroad in the French Alps um, because I'm a retired extreme skier. So I love skiing and snowboarding. Taught hundreds of people to ski and snowboard over the years whilst I was out there, um, and we saw an opportunity to to actually have an investment over there so we got i bought that between myself my mum my brother back then obviously this was it was after things were black and white it wasn't glorious technicolor but it was a long time ago it was pre-internet um so we we had enough money between the three of us to buy outright so we effectively bought the 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 flat which was uh had a 27 meter squared balcony and it was 19 meters squared so we called it Chateau Shoebox. Uh, it was tiny. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm six foot two. My little brother's six foot two. And the two of us in there, it was it was almost too many people in the space. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, great, great to learn on uh, and abroad as well. So having to speak another language. Um, and then we came back to the UK. My mum bought another place in the southeast where we're, we're based. I bought a place in the West Country to rehouse my grandmother from the southeast to the West Country. Um, so that was my first taste of remote investing apart within the UK. Um, so I actually built out the teams there for that. Again, pre-internet, pre-WhatsApp groups. So yeah, so I've kind of fallen on from there. Um, I got out, I ran out of money basically by 2003 and decided, right, I need to, I need to create a business that earns me loads of money that I can save up deposits properties so i did do that i set up a classic and racing car transport company and i drove a million miles in 10 years and i was tr transporting really high-end classic and historic sports cars so all my a lot of my clients were multi-millionaires billionaires famous people so it was it was quite lucrative however i was still making irresponsible decisions so i started buying more cars and motor i then got into motorbikes as well because they were cheaper than cars but when you keep buying motorbikes, it keep, you keep on spending money. So I, I was very reckless with money when I was younger. Um, so I got to, to, I actually got told I had to stop driving because I shrunk my hip flexors from sitting down so much. Okay. So it's causing me chronic back pain. Yeah. Um, so kind of got out of, got out of that, listed about in working on construction sites, installing car park equipment. And I, a few years back, I thought, right, I can see another property cycle coming. I want to be in the right place at the right time. And it actually taken me the best part of 30 years to realize being a lot of people are in the right place at the right time, but the vast majority of them put themselves in the right place and the right time hits them by default. Mm. So I thought I need to get myself in the right place. I need to get some more property education. And that's when I went back and, and did a load of training to kind of top up on all my experience. Mm. So that's where the property side of things came in. Um, about two years ago, I've, I started to look around other investments as you do as an investor. And um, I got involved in alternative investments um, in the form of a loan note um, and uh, predominantly around uh, foreign exchange trading, um, but within the UK. So I'd looked abroad, I'd done some stuff abroad and I didn't like how the setups run. Then one of my other friends is direct to a UK trader and we, we've been setting something up for the last 12 months. 
And in fact, I'm actually doing a talk in London on it tomorrow at an investor, uh, a closed off investor day. Mm. So that's quite exciting on that side of things. Um, and then the entrepreneurship, I, I've been networking since I was a kid. Mm. So my mum and dad are entrepreneurs. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. My aunts and uncles are entrepreneurs. So my brother and I pretty much, we were geared towards being entrepreneurs, coupled with my dyslexia. Um, I was kind of only really going one way. So networking to me is like tying, tying your shoelaces or jumping on a bike and riding a bike. If you know how to try, tie your shoelaces or you know how to ride a bike, you don't really think about it. It's You're using kind of muscle memory. Mm. Um, but a lot of people that I've met over the last three years doing a lot of networking, are, are they have all kinds of blockers. And I've met a lot of amazing people that have got incredible skills that they can share and they can also, uh, they're transferable. But because they've got these these blockers around networking, it's actually causing them to stall. So that's why um, kind of last year I was thinking about it and this year I've actually had time to follow through on it and I wanted to te start teaching people how to network, um, but also make it affordable because a lot of people when they 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 start out networking they don't really have a, a main plan in place so that's kind of it in a very whistle-stop tour of what i kind of involved with okay so so you've covered quite a lot of ground there which is which is great uh, and there's a couple of things that you've said that would be good to dig into a little bit more so the first oh. the first thing was you mentioned uh dyslexia which mm -hmm. which then takes you into an entrepreneurial uh lifestyle on explain you know what the reason for that is so i was very or my brother and i were very fortunate that we we um had a, a privileged education um at the choice of my parents not ours i actually said to my dad at 12 can i not go here can you not pay my school fees put the money in a bank account so i can start buying houses when i'm 18. i actually already knew what i wanted to do but my dad's not into property so he said, no, you need to have a decent education. So I was like, okay, well, that's fine. It's your money anyway. <laughs> so but what happened was I was, I was really struggling. Um, and I knew that, that I was smart-ish, I would say, back, at, back, back then. Um, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. Just I, you know, I kind of, if you gave me something practical to do, I could do it and I could learn it very quickly. But if you said to me, go and read a book, I'd say you. Why don't you slap me in the face? That's like saying you'd like to slap me in the face. It's that's not a good thing for me. Mm. Um, not back then, anyway. So I was really struggling and falling behind. And luckily, because I, I was in the educational kind of area that I was, um, they were starting to test people for dyslexia. So I was thirteen when I got diagnosed. Uh, so what's that? That's nineteen eighty nine. They just started to roll it out and they've got these kind of what I call multiple guess. I think they're called multiple choice, but I like to call it multiple guess. Um, yeah, so there's multiple choice questions. And obviously that that has been designed to to let you know whereabouts you are on on the scale of dyslexia. Yeah. So there was only two of my teachers that knew at school, the maths teacher and um, the English teacher. And I really loved English as a language. We were going to France as kids on holiday. I absolutely love France. 
Uh, I love it so much. I'm actually engaged to a French lady, so um, that's how much I love France. That's and commitment. People. Yeah, that's commitment for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I love the language of, of English, but I really struggled with it. So anyway, long story short, I, I basically ended up doing an English A level because I had the support of that teacher. A lot of the other teachers, I rubbed up the wrong way. Um, I don't know, well, David, you'll remember this, the old picture of the the, the cone hat with the D on it for the dunce. Mm-hmm. I've been called a dunce. I've been called disruptive. Uh, I've been called a dinlo. This is all by teachers, by the way. Nice. Um, yeah, dim, uh, when, when I knew I wasn't. Um, and it only took me about another 30 years to realise that D actually stands for dyslexia. Mm. And a lot of people are misdiagnosing that. Mm. So, um, but what it did is it, I, I became, um, I became very withdrawn, not in my personality because I'm outgoing, you know, throw me into a room with a thousand people. I'll get talking to someone. Mm. I don't, I do not feel that at all. I never have done, but I always doubted myself and I was always second guessing myself. Mm. And that's held me back from a lot of things in my life. Um, and I think that's partly why I became an extreme skier because I wanted to prove to the world that I was kind of way more capable than anyone realized, let alone gave me credit for. Mm. Um, but until three years ago, only my mum, my dad, and my brother and my now partner knew I had dyslexia. No one else, none of my friends at all, never, none of the rest of the family. I hid it. And especially from work, I hid it for over 30 years. And I actually got to realize with some of the other people that I was spending time with um, that what I've got is is quite a gift. Mm. Um, so my dyslexia really kicks into high gear in this exact example where I'm sat here, how we started off the conversation. Mm. Someone says I've got an impossible task. Most other people go, don't be ridiculous. I, no one can sort that out. And I will see straight through to how to fix it. Okay. Um, and I've I've basically been helping to build out the teams for the last five days, and I've only been on site for three. Yeah. So I haven't been building the teams out whilst I've been off site. Mm. So and we've got probably about eighty percent of the team together now. Yeah. But it's it's that combined with with our combined networks. Yeah. We've kind of put that all together. Yeah. So what is it specifically about dyslexia then that that that, that gives you that? ability to be able to do that so you so sitting down and reading a book no definitely not um but you can you can do this other stuff so so is it what is it what is the specific thing i i i actually did a social media post this quite a while ago and and i basically so if you can if you can imagine two pieces of a four paper one piece there's a bunch of straight lines on it Another bit, it's like a three-year-old's been doodling and scribbling all over it. So when someone without dyslexia sees the straight lines, they see order, they see direction, they see straight lines. When I look at that straight line, I see all the scribble. Now, I don't mean that necessarily physically, although I have met people that do see it physically. I don't see it physically, but I just see all that. So uh, I'll admit it freely because I do everywhere else. I hate doing paperwork. Mm -hmm. It drives me mad, mm. but you get me to juggle 25 things at once and I will do it like most people will have no idea how I'm doing it. Mm. So 
but what happens is that you get the mirrored opposite so the dyslexic version of that is when you look at a scribbled piece of paper that a three-year-old child scribbled on and you've got to get to a point but you don't know where that point is i know where the point is and i know exactly how to get it and i cannot tell you how i know that okay it's just the way that i think and i've been i've been following um made by dyslexia so that's run by a lady called Kate Griggs. Um, she works very closely with Richard Branson, and it's actually them that got uh, the hashtag dyslexic thinking attached to LinkedIn. Hmm. So I've I've followed some other people along the way, and it's there's such differing degrees of of how people deal with it hmm. um, that I think probably the next five to ten years you're going to see some way more incredible people coming out of the woodwork as they're allowed to express themselves yeah um, and, and, and what's fascinating is actually a, a, lar a large number of successful uh, business people some of them wouldn't necessarily describe themselves as entrepreneurs but they're but they're they're, they're business people uh you know they, they don't tell you straight away or oh, by the way i'm dyslexic uh, but you know when you when you get into conversation with them um you uh what well, they they tell you or 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 you know you, you kind of you begin to notice for example re reading writing um not something that they enjoy the way they take notes there's something different about it and um it doesn't prevent you from being successful it's about finding something that suits you no matter what, whether you're dyslexic or, or whatever you are, it's about something finding something that suits you that, that that plays to your to your strengths. And I guess what I'm hearing is 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 that's your experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I <clears throat> excuse me. Two of my property business partners they live in the next town over, and one of the things when we were talking about working together, um, I'd met them at a networking event. We got chatting. Um, bit of a funny story because the guy, one of one of my business partners, he sat there, leant over to his and went, Look, we're in London, there's 500 people in this room. No one's even going to know where Horsham is. And Horsham's the next town over from Crawley where I live. Yeah. And I was at this networking event with my mum. And so my mum and I looked at each other, both smiled, knew exactly what we were both thinking. And she knew exactly what I was about to do. And I just leant in and I went, oh, where about, hi there, just overheard you talking. Where about you from? And he said, oh, Horsham. I said, well, Horsham next to Crawley. He went, yeah, how do you know? I said, we've come from Crawley. <laughs> I said, well, my mum's come from Eastbourne. But he said, no way. I said, wait. And then we just got talking. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, you know, uh, kind of 12 months later, we, we were forming a business. Mm. And I said to him, look, guys, you know, I it was right when I was starting to tell people, but I wasn't, you know, out and out obvious with it on social media and and in the general general events. And I said to them, look, I there, I don't mind doing all of this stuff, and I'd love to work with you guys. Um, but obviously, we're we're saying what we're good at, but it, there's also an element of what we're not so good at. Mm. And I said one of the things that I struggle with, I've tried using different CRM systems, different kind of job organizing systems. And I said, I've got a very visual brain. So if you if you gave me a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet with a with a hundred items on it, I just I'll 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 push that back to you. I don't I don't want to look at it. If I build the spreadsheet out myself with a hundred items on, absolutely no problem because I understand how it's built. Mm. Um so what they did was said, well, 
we can change our working style to help you. So we now use a thing called Trello, which is a basically a very visual board and it's it's less chaotic for me. And and so they've they've made allowances to help me to perform better. Because by default, if I'm performing better for for them, then the, that's performing better for the business itself mm. and everyone wins. Yeah. So um but they also want to tap into my experience with the with the the amount of building and construction I've done, obviously my network as well. So there's there's a whole load of different touch points, and for me, they've got some fantastic skills as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ben, um, the guy that was talking at the beginning, he's a superb at operations. You just give him a task to organise, and he's on it. And Lionel is a IT software architect, so you know we've had discussions, and he's building out a presentation whilst we're talking like we are now. And you finish talking and you're like, what, how the hell did you do that that fast? It's <laughs> yeah. just tapping into the skill sets that yeah. are there. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen someone do a similar thing when I've been sat at, um, at a conference and listening to somebody speak. And uh, and I'm sat there listening and making notes in quite a linear fashion. And then you, you, there'll be somebody next to you maybe who's probably producing these glorious mind maps that look like pieces of art almost. Um Wow, because again, we're all we're all different, and it's interesting that. So, if you look at um, the psychological types uh, and some of the Carl Jung stuff, you know, and, and he he talks about the fact that you know the the, the preferences for introversion versus extroversion, uh, the preferences for being a a, a thinker uh, versus a feeler, from the point of view of how you uh, you know digest information, make decisions, that kind of thing, and you know. We're all we're all different from that perspective, uh, and unfortunately, lots of untapped potential gets missed because you know somebody's not a detailed person. They therefore make a mistake uh, and they get get the sack because you know they've made a mistake rather than somebody taking the time to understand. Actually, you're asking them to do something that they're not entirely suited for. But yeah. with um, with dyslexia, with um, Think you know th things like ADHD, which you know, which is which is d different. I know, but 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 kind of um, again creates uniqueness in how somebody works. That whole this whole thing about neurodivergence and all that kind of stuff. There's mm. there's there's much more of a a, a, st a stigma attached to it. So I guess what I'm interested in is, you know, what what was the reason why you didn't say anything to anybody about this for? for 30 years and, and what changed to make you feel like now was the time to start talking about it? I think a lot of it stemmed from from the school, from the, the teachers and and in their defence they, they didn't know, they weren't educated themselves so I don't I don't look back on it now and blame them. Um, yes they they triggered me hiding it for so long mm. um, but I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not angry. If that makes sense, you know, when someone does you wrong, it's not very nice. You get angry at them. There are certain stages of going through grief. I I know that. Again, I'm old enough to to understand that, and I've had to. I've had experience with it as well. But I never really was angry at them, even at school. I just thought, well, you don't get it. And the big thing for me is, if someone's not bothering to get to know me, that's fine. And that's what they did. They didn't bother to get to know me. The 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 teachers that my parents knew supported me because they they understood something was wrong. They didn't necessarily know what it was, but they thought, right, 
we need to do something to help this child out because actually as a teacher your main role is to educate younger people mm. um so they actually my english teacher had actually done the research to find out what was going on with dyslexia at the time within the schooling system and he was the one that got the the assessor in mm. And then it became a standard. And he said, look, I, what's the point of me trying to teach a bunch of people like Andrew? And they, what they found out through me, and because of my honesty of talking to them, they found out there were another five people in the school that had it. Mm. But we didn't tell anyone else. We were just having extra English lessons, you know, inverted commas, um, to help us raise up our grades. Because also what they didn't want to do is they didn't want to pigeonhole us into, you know, a lower grade or the those ones aren't quite as smart as everyone else or mm. or whatever kind of labels get thrown at them mm. um so i it stemmed from that being not good enough when again i i really excelled at sports mm. i mean obviously becoming an extreme skier you you know you have to be fairly yeah. <laughs> fairly good at, uh, yeah. at staying up right <laughs> um so but i played you know I, I played rugby i played football hockey cricket golf um athletics i was doing all of that stuff at school basketball water polo whole bunch of other stuff we also because again i was very fortunate location wise we were about 10 minutes cycle ride from the south downs mm. so we a bunch of us had a load of mountain bikes at school and at 6 a.m we'd get up we'd go up to the, the you know cycle off road and by eight o'clock we'd be back in the morning back going into school so from that side of things it was just amazing I was also having to deal with other things. I basically lost my grandparents when I was a teenager on one side of the family that I was very close to. Mm. And I never really talked to anyone about it. I just, because I was the eldest brother, I had to look out for my little brother and I wanted to be strong for my parents. And I, and I just took that on and I never really spoke to them about it. Mm. Um, and then um, I went away and did my extreme skiing and I was just living my life, right? I didn't, but again back then it was pre-internet pre-mobile phones so my mum told me when i was 42 years old that every time the phone rang whilst i was out doing my extreme skiing she thought that might be the phone call that she didn't want to hear mm. that i'd been killed in an accident buried in an avalanche which i have once and out skied another one and lived the tale but she told me kind of that when I was 42 years old. And when I was, what am I now? I'm 47. So 37, I got with my other half. We've been together almost 10 years. And I inherited two stepsons. Mm. So right at the right age as well, they were teenagers. So 14 and 18 or 17, 18. Um, and actually, that's when my life started to really turn around. Because I started to understand why my mum feared for me so much doing what I was doing. Mm. So I actually at 43 years old apologized to my mum for living my life that way mm. back then. Mm. And I'm very we're very close family. Mm. So yeah, it's quite a big thing to do. Um but yeah, I, I think the you know dyslexia I as far as I'm concerned, I'm gonna hit hundred. So I'm almost halfway through. Yeah. And I've around around half of my life i've been crippled by dyslexia so my plan is for the next half of the of my life is to is to use it to em empower me and also to empower others yeah and to to say to them please don't hide it because it's actually 
an incredible gift that you've got. It's 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 one of those things. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. And if you can get past the curse side and lean more into the blessing side, mm. then you know I, I've got it and that's it. So there's no point in fighting it. Mm. Just lean into it. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. So so what's interesting about about what you've what you've just said is that there were there were some people who who responded to you uh, in a way to take an interest in you and you were comfortable sharing it with them yeah but but other but uh, because other people hadn't taken an interest in you you then had chosen not to share it with anybody else yeah so I guess what I'm interested in is what what was it about the the potency of of of, of the of, of the of the way that those people who hadn't taken an interest in you that meant that you didn't feel comfortable sharing it with other people. I think I think back then um, in my teens, I I thought I'd like to think I'm a nice guy, I'm a decent bloke, and why would everyone not like me? And it was part of my own self-development journey anyway. So when people didn't like me, I didn't understand why. And I started to take that on board as that's my issue, when in reality, it's actually their issue. Mm. And, and again, I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but it's, you know, you, we've all been into rooms. Even I have. I've been into rooms full of people and I've looked at someone and go, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling that person. I mean, they could be the most perfect person for me to talk to. They could be my next investor in the property deal, or they could be an investor that wants to invest in our investments, or they could be a student that wants to learn how to network. How the hell am I supposed to tell that from just looking at them? I can't. That's the reality. So, but back then, I didn't have the skill sets that I have now. So, as far as I'm concerned, I give everyone a chance when I meet them. Mm. Because I don't know how many people I haven't given chances to as well that could have been amazing people in my life. Yeah. There is a downside to that, that when you let everyone into your life, it exposes you to potential problems. And again, I've had to deal with that. And you you deal with that and cut those people out of your life and move on. Mm. And that's the way it is. Mm. Um, but I think back then I was I was trying to please all the people all the time. Mm. And the reality is you just can't do that. Yeah. And I, and I think it was when I was 18 that I started to realize that. And I started to not be that bothered about what other people thought about me. Mm. Um, and yet, because I started to realize that I couldn't, yeah. you know, if, if you walked into a bar and saw me in a bar and you don't like the look of me, how the hell am I supposed to convince you to like me? Yeah. And why should I? Yeah. 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 Oh Yeah. Well, there's 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 a lot in that you know everyone is not for everyone but i but i think that mm. um i guess it's uh it's interesting is it's, it's just it's just really fascinating because you know there will be people listening to this who in their um in their head and in their life will be like andrew bat was when he was 18 years old um and so you know the fact that you've made this uh, this step um, it is great, and you know the way you're describing it. You know, you're getting your life on track and um, uh, and not being crippled by it now is it, fantastic. But if somebody is in that situation, what what practically can can they do to take that first couple of steps out of that situation and, and into a different place that's going to serve them more? 
I, I literally had this about a month and a half ago. I talked at a networking event on the Isle of Wight. And so I, I, I'm very fortunate that I get to, to talk about networking and networking etiquette around at, at various different networking events. Um, again, so that I can share that. Part of that is I share some of my story. And part of my story is that I've, uh, I've been very fortunate to actually write in 13 different publications. Um, I've written a chapter in a book um, with a bunch of different authors, different across, you know, self-development and also property investing. And that's also been really therapeutic for me and really helpful. Um, but one of the things that I share in my talk is that I'm dyslexic. So I kind of go, not bad for a dyslexic guy, right? So and just to, to try and get a bit more engagement out of the crowd. But also because if I'm stood up in front of 50, 80, 100 people, it's highly likely there's someone that's dyslexic in the room. Hmm. It's more than likely there's more than one person. Yeah. It's also highly likely that they are hiding that or they're, or they're ashamed of it or both. And they shouldn't feel like that. I had a guy walk up to me at the end and gone, thanks, great presentation, really enjoyed it, especially the bit where you shared about your dyslexia. And that really hit home for me. Now, he didn't tell me he had dyslexia, but by him saying it in that way, I knew exactly that he, he did mm. or he does. Um, and, yeah, I've ended up working with him since then. Um, and he's I've seen him grow massively. And for me, that's a huge achievement for him. And that's what thrills me is that I know by me being open about it, I've helped one person. Mm. And if I have to help one person at a time, I will. Yeah. But if I can help hundreds of people at the same time, even better. And that's why I'm such a big advocate of, of made by dyslexia as well. Um, and I actually, when I found out about it, I made it my mission to get connected with Kate Griggs. And actually, Richard Branson um, was an inspiration to me when I was a kid. Mm. Um, and I'm now basically one one step away from from being connected with Richard Branson through yeah. that networking as well. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of all of this stuff just keeps on building and building and building. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. So, um, so made by dyslexia. Then, uh, just again, just 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 very very quickly, uh, how does that work and what's it all about? So, made by dyslexia is uh, run by a lady called Kate Griggs, and she um, is wanting to bring dyslexic thinking to the forefront of people's minds she's teamed up with Richard Branson there's an awful lot of other I mean there's a whole bunch of different names literally if you type into Google famous people with dyslexia you know you've got Richard Branson um, you've got Einstein you've got all these other crazy names you're like really really actually it makes sense Steve Jobs all, all those kind of people and you know a lot of trailblazers because they they've been allowed to unleash their dyslexic thinking and this is where kate griggs has gone look people that are made by dyslexia instead of being put into boxes one which you can't two if you put a dyslexic person in a box they'll go mad the best thing you can do is not put them anywhere is just go go mm. and they'll just do whatever they're going to do mm. And if you give them that that space to be creative, that's when they'll really start to shine. Mm -hmm. um, so 
she's pushing that. She's also pushing it on the educational side. So every single teacher in New York, and I think it's something crazy, like 18,000, have now been trained by Made by Dyslexia to recognise dyslexic people in the school system because the schooling system has been failing dyslexics for decades and it's just got to the point and also we're in we're in a a a very very interesting time in the world where um artificial intelligence is 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 rife you know we've all got it even at our own you know the, the touch of our fingertips it's already been tested and the best results have come from dyslexic people working with AI because of the way that we frame questions, because of the way we ask certain things with AI, it will actually fire back more specific, more um, uh, cleverly based responses that are also more direct. Um, so it's, it, it's, you know, she, I don't know how much they're doing on the AI side of things, but that's, she's, for her, it's it's about getting it out there and getting it recognised, and also to say to people, it's not something to be ashamed of. Mm. Um, so a lot of you know, you mentioned neurodiversity. Now, um, a lot of people that are looking, that have got jobs out, human resources um, in the marketplace, they offer neurodiverse kind of um, screening or um, interview processes. So it's 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 getting more out in the mainframe now, and it's constantly being talked about. And and you know, I'm a. I'd like to do more stuff for Made by Dyslexia, and I, in the fullness of time, I I will I will do because I'll just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because I believe in it so much, and I and I don't like seeing people being put down when they should be being lifted up. Yeah, it's a real bugbear of mine. Mm. And so, in your in your business experience now, in your in your businesses, um, how how practically do you uh, ensure that that your businesses are are fully inclusive? Because there's there's a whole range of of diversity uh, in 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 the modern world, and again, there's that kind of uh, increasing freedom to express that, whether it's you know gender or, or whatever it might be. Um, but if 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 it's about helping people uh no matter what uh, bring their best and and be their whole selves and all that kind of stuff what can what can business owners do to to create a culture where that that feels naturally possible for people the best thing to do in my opinion is not to interview people for jobs but to interview jobs for people so the 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 businesses that i've worked for and the businesses that i've run i've I've actually, uh, uh, so I'm 47 years old and I've only ever had one official job interview where it was literally called an interview and that was it. All the other work I've got is because people know me through my network and they know my skill sets and what I can do. And then if they also have other problems, they'll ask me about those and ask if I can solve them. And I love problems. When everyone's running away from the problems, I'm the guy that's running in with a few other crazy people um because that's what that's what we do um so i i would say that i yes you have to describe what a job is you know if you're a machine handler it's a machine handler right 
But if I was the interviewer, I wouldn't be, you know, if, if someone's got a qualification to drive a forklift truck, you, you're interviewing 10 people. As far as I'm concerned, if, if all 10 of those people have got a ticket that says I can drive a forklift truck, none of those people are in competition to drive a forklift truck, right? Okay, maybe some might drive it better, some not so good. But if they've got, if they've got a certificate or training to say they can do the job, then the job's irrelevant. It's there now. Do they fit in with the team? Are they going to fit in personality with me or or whoever's going to be their line manager or whatever? So it's, I think employers have a responsibility to interview people as people, not all the jobs. Mm. So create the job around the people. So I'd I'd rather have someone that I know is reliable, dependable, honest, transparent, and open. Than the guy that's got the best credentials or the girl that's got the best credentials mm. and has been doing it the longest mm. because and you can work together you know can you work together with someone that knows it all and and is an arrogant so-and-so mm. or are you more likely to work better with someone that is keen to learn and wants wants to grow themselves yeah and what about um because that i by the way i think that's brilliant uh, and, I, and i've written that down uh, and 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 what about um uh when you when you when you've got a team and then and then you've got a team of people uh, how do you how do you keep everybody uh, included and and playing to their strengths in, in in the work that you do if they don't play nice they get fired no i'm joking hopefully <laughs> this isn't going to freeze now this recording that could be awkward <laughs> QN music. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Bye. Um, no, I, I, I think that that kind of it finds its own natural equilibrium if you're building the teams right from the outset. And like now, you know, now as a classic case, I've had a site meeting today with Plastra. I've never met until today. Um, a decorator that runs a decorating firm with 60 staff that I never met till today. I've had a structural engineer come in on site, all these different people, and a bunch of them are all in the room at the same time. And they're actually also already talking to each other, going, well, look, if you can let me know when this is, I know that I can come in then and you can come back in then. And so I've already got, I'm actually, when they're coming to the site to have a look round, I'm seeing, you know, at, at the end of the day, as long as you can plaster a wall, you're a plasterer. If you can paint, you can paint. I'm also seeing how they're all gelling together. That's another reason for inviting them to site to do their site visits when they're all here. Because mm. if they go, oh, you're here, or you know, there's a bit of, you know, uh, it's how you build the teams out. If you build them out right from the outset, well, you know, this is a 40 unit site that I'm on, so there's a lot of work here for those trades. Now, they can either misbehave right from the outset and they're not going to stay very long, or they can go, do you know what, this is a really good job and this could see us on through till you know February, March next year mm. without any of our other stuff because it's also being phased mm. the way that we're doing it. Mm. Um, so it's it gives that opportunity to build that tight unit and by default they want to help each other out because every, everyone, especially in the building industry, everyone wants an easy life. Because there's all kinds of stuff that goes sideways when you're when you're doing property developments, and no matter how much planning goes in, something will go awry, or someone will just pull one of the bits of paper out of the pile and 
half of it starts falling down you then start to juggle it all again so everyone wants to help each other out and there is that kind of site camaraderie hmm. um you know like i said I've, I've had i've had builders turn up in vans and they've got you know paint and stuff all up them and then i've had a um a engineer structural engineer turn up and she's she's turned up like she's in an office suit and she's come in a like a seventy five thousand quid car that's i've never seen a car so clean and my dad is a clean freak when it comes to cars <laughs> so you and all these people have got to talk together yeah um but the thing is is that no one's above anyone else mm. on the site so i'm not the you know part of the big project management team i'm part of the people to keep it all together that's so I think that's also really important is not to have such a hierarchy that you that it creates problems. Yeah. yeah. And everyone needs to know who to report to. Yes, I'm the guy on site to come to, or when the project manager's on site, he's the guy to come to. Um, or, or both of us. So yes, a hierarchy from that point of view. But as far as, you know, the rip out guys. I've done a load of that and stuff in the past, and I have a massive amount of respect for them. It's really hard work. It's mm. hard graft. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just having that respect. It, you know, respect goes two ways as well. Yeah. But if you're so, creating an environment where people can can work together, um, and uh, you know, yeah, that that absence of hierarchy or just a hierarchy where it's necessary means that you know people have a responsibility then to make sure the job gets done there's something in it for them to make sure the job gets done and then yeah you're creating an environment where people can be honest with each other and if that if that helps to address uh some of these some of these things about um you know personal preferences and all that kind of stuff when they come up because people feel they can be honest either i don't feel comfortable because of something you just said or i don't feel comfortable because uh, you know, this isn't my strong suit. Then, then yeah, you know, you, you, you'll create an environment where people can actually, um, you know, work through and solve the problem themselves by working together to get the best the best outcome. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've been I've been I've worked around people that are uh, they're very domineering, they're very shouty, they're very kind of opinionated type of boss and what I say goes and you know I'm number one and to a certain extent that works but in in my world and my experience I try to be nice and polite to everyone and I I got taught when I was a, a child um treat others how you'd like to be treated yourself so I do I'm nice to people and for the most part people are nice to me back but if they're not then I can say then I can pull them up on it mm. and say look I'm being nice to you. Now you're shouting at me. It's mm. unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it just, yeah, I, I just, I think if you're, to me, it just is a kind of basic human courtesy, but it seems to have got lost over time in our society. Yeah. And we all need a reminder sometimes that, yeah, the ba- the basics make a big difference sometimes. I mean, in your, um, in your, in your career, You've you, you've been focused on creating businesses that serve other people. Where do you think that came from? I think part. I funny. I, I have thought about this over the last few years, and part of that I think is um, is ingrained in DNA. I've actually had this conversation with other people that are the eldest sibling, 
and there's actually something ingrained in us that so i protect my little brother my little brother is 45 years old and he has two children a wife a mortgage uh, a hell of a lot of responsibility and a very serious job in london he does not need me to look after him but i still look out for him and i still look after him mm. what he does now is he also looks out for me as well and we've, we've helped each other out when we've been in tough spots in our in our adult lives but certainly as uh, when we were kids you know even even until until my brother had got to university that was when i kind of breathed out a bit and i thought well he's his own man he knows himself and i can just i can cruise i can go into cruise mode um and i think that is um with other people that i've spoken to they've gone yeah that do you know what that's really weird that's exactly how i felt but they've also run their businesses in a similar way as well in that protective kind of role and and also i think it's a responsibility as a business owner you know it, it's if i've got staff or subcontractors that are working for me or on site they've they've got families they've got responsibilities so you know that's that gets extended to me you know again like with the on the being part of the project management team on this project there's a lot of families that are going to be relying on us keeping this project going and not to mention the, the actual owner of the property um so it's i've still got that responsibility um and one of the big things for me living in europe the the service in europe for, for me certainly 25 years ago was a lot better than the uk like light years ahead you know you go into a restaurant and you're you're being you're being served and they're polite and they're courteous you know you go you're going into a restaurant in england and the plates slam down on your on your table or almost thrown in some place and you think really mm. you know if you don't like your job that much go and find a different one because this isn't for you mm. and i thought well if i run service businesses if i run all my businesses as the silver service which is where the silver name comes from for my businesses is that i want it to be the silver service i want it to be the top service we don't have to be the cheapest we don't have to be the most expensive we we don't have to be anything else but what we do have to be is provide the best service hands down because that's what people remember especially when they don't get it anywhere else hmm. so i've had over the years i've, I've had you know I've, I've delivered a car on christmas eve and just before I left, the owner said, oh, hang on, I've just got something for you. And he came back and he'd got a Christmas card that his entire family had signed, even though I'd never even met his kids, and a bottle of champagne. And he's like, look, I really appreciate you taking the time being away from your family on Christmas Eve. And I was, you know, that that goes a hell of a long way, but that's because of the service that I was providing. Yeah. And have you found any other examples oh, yeah. where where the where the law of reciprocity, which is always tricky to say, um, has, has has worked in your favour? Hugely, being on this podcast for one has actually stemmed from lending out an iPhone charger at an event <laughs> three years ago. That's how I've got onto this podcast today mm. by a sequence of events. Yeah, someone someone in a room full of a hundred people, and I I actually say this on my networking, but I I think it's something that your listeners definitely should be thinking about. So I'm in a room with a hundred people at a networking event. So everyone's there for a similar reason, all nice people. You you'd like to think, 
And the lady at the front said, has anyone got an iPhone charger? My iPhone's about to run out and I really want to get some photos and videos, et cetera, of this, of the next presenter. And I was sat on the corner of the room where I could see everyone. And I had 3% left charge in my phone. And I'm like, right, well, I've got an iPhone charged so I can, I can lend it to her. And I will lend it to her. But I want to see what happens because actually what I'm doing is I'm seeing whether there are people that I do or don't want to speak to moving forwards. Two people got their iPhone chargers from the table and put them in their bag and zipped their bags up. Wow. Two people, two other people uh, got their phone. and You know when people grab their mobile phone and they look down at it and they start typing and you think, well, they're either on an email or candy brush, but they're looking busy. Yeah. And I could see both of their screens. They were black. They weren't even on their phones. They were just making it look like they're like, oh, no, sorry, a bit busy now. And then someone else kind of moved their A4 pad over the top of their iPhone charger. So I said, yeah, I've got one. So she came over to me. She said, oh, that's brilliant. And she, and I literally was unplugging it out of the floor and out of my phone. And she said, oh, have you got charge? I said, I've only got 3% charge. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. I said, you take it. You're right at the front. You've got a better view. And I'll tell you what, I'll get in touch with you at the end of the event and we can connect and then you can send me some of the videos. How does that work? And she goes, oh, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Thanks. So I was like, okay, cool. And I said, I've got an iPad anyway that's got some charge in it if I'm that desperate. But I thought, well, what's the point? I might as well just get her to WhatsApp me. And so anyway, that led on to one or two things. It helps. Uh, that led on to me getting connected to writing in the books um various other bits and pieces with that particular person i then brought some work to them and then obviously one of the things that she said was when are you going to have a chat with davis i'm like well I'd, yeah I'd, i i know kind of davis through social media but and i'd like to go on his podcast i think it'd be really cool uh, yeah okay so that's when when i touched so that's three years down the line three years ago lending out that iphone charger you know, and like I said earlier, part of my therapy has been writing and being allowed that freedom to write. Mm. So it's actually helped me on, on a lot more levels, not just my networking alone. Um, it's so many other levels as well. Yeah. So, yeah, the law, laws of reciprocity is I, I am forever paying it forward, sometimes to my detriment. Um, and But that's a hazard of, of doing that. Mm. Um but I've I've been doing that since again since I was a kid, you know, with everything, with relationships, with friendships, with business, with money, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in that. Fantastic. Sure. Well, that's, a, that's an absolutely fantastic story. So uh, so yeah, and it's a brilliant message to to all of us. That's fantastic. I mean, I guess so. So it's people with purpose. That's the name of the podcast. What was it about? Um, this podcast that that made you think oh yeah that sounds like that'd be a good thing to to come on i really wanted to come on because I, I i like what you what you do as well so I, I like i obviously like meeting people but i also love the the people with purpose title because i actually think most people do have a purpose but most people also have no idea what that purpose is and unfortunately various different things will actually hold them back and some people will never will go their entire life without realizing what their purpose was here and i actually got asked this by someone uh, a friend of mine who um is quite into buddhism 
but he he said to me everything aside he said what do you think if i said to you what do you think your purpose is in life and i remember this so vividly driving up the m1 with him in the passenger seat and we were going to an event together and he said what would you say your purpose is in life do you, do you have you ever thought about it i said yeah i have and he goes well, what is it i said to help as many people as i can he said what does that mean i said i've got no idea yet. i'm still trying to figure it out but <laughs> I said, when the time's right, I'll know what I'm supposed to be doing. But, I, you know, I've I've helped people learn to drive. I've helped people to ski, to snowboard. I've obviously started to help people with dyslexia, you know, um, understand that. I, I help people with, well, I'm helping on the project management team here. I help teach people how to network. So I'm always trying to help people um, because I also want to share what I've learned. Mm. You know, it's, it's taken me 30 years of networking to get to kind of the the level of networking that I'm at. And I'll never, I'll never, I'll never want to reach the peak of networking because I, I also am connected with people that have won awards for networking um, because I'm fascinated to go, well, how, what the hell are they doing that I'm not doing? Mm. Um, so I always, I'm, I'm, all, I'm very driven to learn all the time, um, one way or the other. But what I also want to do is, is, I don't think that um, it's right to learn a whole load of things for yourself and then keep them to yourself. It's it's also about sharing that out to other people. Not necessarily all of it, but some of it to help them get them on their way and get the ball rolling, and or maybe lift them up, give them a bit more um, bit more support where they need it. Or you mentioned earlier about introverts and extroverts. I'm I'm actually a firm believer that we're we're all both. We just have a little bit of a dial that we lean one way more than the other. I mean, I have days where I, just, I don't want to see anyone. I'd be quite happy to either stay in my office or put my feet up on the sofa, not see a single person. But then the next day I'll be like, right, how can I go and meet 150 people I've never met before? Hmm. And I'm straight out there in, in extrovert mode. So, yeah. But what I find upsetting is when I see other people that are being crippled by it. Yeah. And they're the people that I'm drawn to help because I know that someone who thinks that they're an introvert or or has been labelled as one has started to then tell themselves that. And my purpose is to say, look, you might be that. Let's put some triggers in place that can help you mm. to overcome that. Or when you're starting to get that overwhelm and, and start to become and retract and become introverted, to actually trigger something and go right now actually i know that i recognize this i see what's happening stop i need to get past that right now i need to get back in the game mm. yeah that's brilliant and it does work because I've, I've been getting feedback from it that it works but again that stems from my dyslexia mm. where i've had to overcome i have to overcome or, or constantly create workarounds to make my life more not more bearable now certainly easier now but when i was younger it was more bearable yeah and it is, is really interesting how there are people have preferences and whether it's a preference for introversion or extroversion yeah you're right in context can can move move that dial uh, potentially other things can, can 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 move it you know from the point of view of you know, how, how how you show up could be determined by so many different different factors i guess um yeah, and, and, and extra extrovert people or, not, or more 
frequently extroverted people uh, can also get themselves into a similar kind of situation where they've, um, you know, they met they the foot in mouth, um, you know, syndrome. You know, they they put they put their foot in their mouth so many times because they can't because because they, they may they might speak to think, for example, that they then want to stop speaking. So so you know so we all we all need a bit of help no matter where we are on that. Uh, continuum uh, at that point in time to uh, yeah to, to to just kind of you know embrace ourselves, be ourselves, and um, yeah have the confidence in a way I suppose to know that um, if you're being you, if there is that one person in the room who um, who 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 needs you, you know if you're talking to them, um, they'll 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 hear you and, and you'll connect. Um, and uh, yeah, those sort of chance encounters, you've got to put yourself in the right places to for, for those chance encounters to come about, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I I, I love the adventure that is life. Mm, mm. And I've wanted my life to be an adventure from start to finish. And so far, so good. Good, good. Well, it sounds like yeah. it. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like you're you're well on the way, and only halfway through, which is uh, or less than halfway through, which is uh, which is also yeah. also good news. So that's the plan. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, you know, well, let's work with that plan and just see see where you end up. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so so if people listening are looking to to identify their purpose or 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 discover it, then what, what advice would you give people? Um, you know, they might be looking really hard and and not not getting anywhere or getting frustrated because they, they they can't put their finger on it. What what advice would you give people who, who who might need a bit of help with that? So a few bits of advice. One, slow down to speed up. We all live very hectic lives. Uh, phones pinging. You know, constant barrage of messages. Um, so I I have a, a thing called slow down to speed up, and it's literally where you just slow everything down, even to a standstill, and just go right, stop doing everything, just step back and look at what you're doing. So about twelve months ago, I was doing about six different things, and I was actually doing nothing because I I was so busy doing everything, I wasn't actually getting anything achieved, yeah. and that's why I came. I said right, I'm going to stick to three things. What three things do I want to do? Or what three things do I need to do? And it was kind of a combination of both, really. So I think that's a that's a really big important one. The other one um, is reflection. Now I'm like I said, I'm 47 years old, so I've got the bonus that I can actually look backwards and see what I've done. I've actually had this conversation with 18 year olds, and they're like, "Well, how am I supposed to reflect? I've been at school all the time." It's like, "Yeah, but your 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 reflection is just on school. That's on what's in front of you." So you need to slow it down even more because there'll be a time when you helped a little lady over the road or a kid fell over in the playground and you help pick them up and get them fixed up or whatever. There'll be certain things that you've done that will actually start to indicate what kind of personality traits you get. So so the younger generations, it's a bit harder. Anyone that's kind of in their mid to late 20s and up they've actually got a load of life experience anyway that they can look back on or or work experience or both. And it's I, I have so many people say to me, oh, well, I, I, I don't really bring anything to the table at a networking event because obviously I, I attend a lot of property networking events. So they say, oh, well, I haven't really got anything that I, you know, I don't bring anything to the game with the property. And look, you know, you're, you're now doing this, to, you know, part of the project management team on 40 units. It's like, yeah, but I've been engrossed in this world for three years and I've got a lot of connections. And I've been asked to come to this. I, this isn't my project. 
it's one that I've been asked to help out on and it's a great experience and it's great to do so that's why I'm doing it or one of the main reasons I'm doing it but I said well what what do you do for a job oh I'm a IT securities expert okay right so that means you're not frightened by any tech stuff no no that's all like right well that's first thing you're bringing to the table (laughs) is a load of tech skills because there's a bunch of people at this property networking event that their iphone goes off in the event and they're blind panicking so then they have to turn on silence which is a button on the side of their phone so i said you've got something they don't have and i said that's what you you know that's what you need to be identifying because the more you identify what you've got and what you're capable of the more that will naturally steer you to your purpose. So, um, and also it's it's getting people to start on that that personal development journey. Um, I've got someone else that I know that I've, I've kind of been working with in a in a closed group, and he was he didn't really put a lot of stuff on social media partly because of his work and partly because he, he it's not really my thing, right? That phrase that comes out. Which isn't, which means I don't really like it. I don't want to do it. But he started doing it because he's seen one of the other team members that were was in, or one of the other group members. He's seen the amazing traction that person got just by sharing stuff. And we're like, look, you've got this all really awesome project. You need to be sharing this because also there's a hell of a lot of people that haven't got into doing property yet. And they're coming along and you need to be saying to them, this was the nightmare that I had, or this was how everything went well. And and in sharing your story, people want to see that and they need to see it. And there's a there's a few of us that will share the good and the bad. Lots of people just put amazing pictures up and it's all good and it's all rosy, right? Mm. And today I've had a rosy day on site. But next week something will go on. <laughs> oh, last week I had couple of uninvited guests, shall we say, <laughs> where we had to get the police around to get them out of the building and then change the locks. So, you know, that was cool day because I made it interesting and it was exciting to get it sorted. And But it's it, it's hassle and it's unnecessary. And and also from that point of view, because of um, because we've got other people on site, they're my responsibility to make sure they're safe. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, going, it's going, slowing it all down to reflect is probably the biggest bit of advice I would say because it's it's very difficult to do as well mm. so you need to find a time so for me if I'm wanting to reflect on anything or have some quiet time I get up early before everyone else in the household and I'll go and sit in my office or sit in a room quietly and just literally start to think about what's gone on what's happened you know what have I learned from it good or bad and then that starts to steer me a bit more towards where I'm going. Amazing. Yeah, and that's really, really good advice. There's so much stuff packed into that. Um, and uh, and yeah, I'm re- I really want to thank you as well for being really candid about your your life experience and your 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 story. Um, I'll be perfectly honest; it wasn't an area I was expecting to to, to get to get into. Um, but it's been it's been brilliant because so much has come out of it that, that's so important for people to hear. Um, in a bit, I'm going to ask you um, how people can get hold of you and and follow you and, and find out more about you. But before that, I just got one more question for you, uh, which is, um, you know, what 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 words would you like to leave? Uh, the audience with to kind of conclude our conversation and and and, and bring it to a close um 
I would say believe in yourself because you've got a lot more capabilities than you probably realise. Um, I also am a firm believer in trying to better yourself every day. Um, and I've got a phrase that I've been living by again for years, which is um, I want to be a better person today than I was yesterday, but not as good as I'm going to be tomorrow. So I always, always am trying to improve in everything, business, friendship, relationships. Um, so I would say probably those two are the, the biggest things. Um, and connection. Connection is connection and communication are two things that have been massively lost in our society. Um, I, we grew up in a village when we were kids and there was a, a 1987 hurricane came through. Our village got closed off for 10 days. So many trees came down and literally pints of milk were being passed, you know, neighbour to neighbour through trees and branches. Oh. And I was seven years old and I was getting taught how to use a chainsaw, which was brilliant. <laughs> might explain quite a lot now, but um, it was basically my dad and then one other, one other dad had the only two chainsaws in the village. And me and my other mate, who was also seven, we got taught how to use the chainsaws as well to give my dad and, his, and my mate's dad a five, 10 minute tea break, but we had to keep chainsaws going all day. And it took us 10 days to, to cut through to get back to civilization. Um, but that was the community there. You know, we used to have a village fate. There was, I think there was about 600 people in the village and there was a community fate every year. There was one of the families, they, they were fairly wealthy. This, I mean, I'm going back to the eighties here. So they were, they were running a double glazing firm. And they ran, they did fireworks night every year because they had a big paddock. So they put that on and everyone turned up and they brought some food or brought some, you know, brought some beers and whatever. And everyone just, and they paid for all the fireworks. So, and there was all that community there. And it was an amazing, amazing experience growing up there. Um, and then I just saw this just nosedive right up until we hit COVID where just year on year there was less community, less community spirit, less people helping each other out and people becoming more and more self-centred and greedy. And I think when COVID hit, because it hit so hard, so fast, and everyone got told basically go and sit indoors in your pyjamas and don't talk to anyone. Don't, you know, if you, if you even answer the phone, you might get COVID. You know, it's just like this whole fear setting. Yeah. And then people were desperate to get out and, and connect again. And then we had the Zooms, you know, like we're, we're on at the moment. And that was a, that's a great kind of halfway house. But the sense of community, certainly in the circles that I move in, um, that community is really, really rising up and, and people want that more than ever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, get involved in a decent community. Brilliant. get connecting with people because you're only here so long yeah yeah great advice once again that's fantastic well andrew thanks again so much for coming on being so candid and uh, for sharing all these nuggets uh, how can people get hold of you uh, and and find out more about what you're up to okay well firstly thank you very much for having me on the podcast it's been great i really really enjoyed it um and great great questions being fired as well so that was fantastic um so best way to get hold of me uh on facebook i've got andrew bat it's um i've got my own personal page i've also got a business page which is also which is andrew bat business 
Um, that kind of I keep for my networking and my property stuff and uh, for my alternative investment stuff, that's me on LinkedIn. Uh, basically, I think all my handles are basically Andrew Back Property. I mean, that's awkward. My phone going off. I'll just put that on silent. Probably just that. <laughs> I know where the silent button is. Um, so yeah, link, LinkedIn and Facebook is is pretty much where where I am online. Um, and then basically, a, a, a property and business networking events around the country. Really fantastic. So, yeah, the best place to find me. Excellent. Well, I'll definitely be coming along to to hear you speak at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, so um, I'll look forward to that and, and meeting in person. Uh, and uh, yeah, would encourage uh, all, all of our listeners to, uh, to to follow Andrew Bat Two T's and uh, and get involved. Uh, thanks, Andrew, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you again for having me on as a guest. It's been fantastic, and looking forward to meeting you in person as well. Can't wait for that. Cool. All right. Cheers. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.